0: And, 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 of course, he starts barking as soon as we hit record. Like, he does his little, right as soon as we start recording. Maddox did. I, I you didn't hear it? I didn't hear it. I thought you said Austin did. No, Austin didn't. Anyway, welcome back, guys. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Rooted in Logos, episode number 20. No. Whoa. Episode number 32. 32, yeah. 32. Uh, my name is Brad. I'm joined, as always, by Carter and Austin, two of the coolest people in the catalog universe. Well, hey. Two of my dearest friends. Love them both dearly. They're wonderful. So all right. Get to he know He doesn't them. love me yeah, as much anymore because I
1: spilled Dr. Pepper on him.
0: Yeah, that's all right. <clears throat> my love is very conditional, like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, we're uh, we're excited to be back. We're going to dive into Romans six today, and one of actually one of my favorite chapters. I was reading it again this morning, and I was like, "This is a cool chapter" because it answers one of the questions that were asked a lot as Christians by non-believers. Well, if you're forgiven, if all your sins are forgiven, why not just keep sinning? Well, can't you do whatever you want at this point? And Paul yeah. kind of dives right into that, just right off the bat. Oh, yeah. so Right off the bat. We'll dig into that in a second. But first, uh, just interesting thing I was thinking about this week. Uh, I was at Walmart a couple times in the last week or two and noticed just all the bare shelves in Walmart. <laughs> and just yesterday, specifically, I noticed toilet paper aisle. Again, almost Great. almost empty. ended up buying some, even though I didn't really need it yet, just because I'm like, well... <laughs> What if I can't get it for You're a the while? Problem, Brad. Uh, You're I, the problem. I, I bought one six pack. All right, like okay, it's not like okay. it was a hoarding situation, but about twenty. Yeah, fine. but uh, <laughs> so I noticed that, and my first instinct, of course, was to complain about they don't. Have, they're out of everything. is terrible. They're out of everything. But then I started thinking, and this is where I was going with this, and and think maybe we can challenge ourselves as Americans and as believers and as people who are insanely blessed in this country, even with this. Supply chain issue and and all the shortages we're seeing and all the shelves being empty, we still have an insane amount of choices, an insane amount of product that we can get, an insane amount of food we can get. Stop complaining. Yeah, yeah. Stop. Like on one level, I get it because you know it, there are reasons why it's happening, and, and a lot of it's the government's fault and and this administration's fault. At least in my opinion, it is. Oh, yeah. But we still live in this country that. We we get to choose from 10 different brands of hot dog. Yeah. Right? And if there's only seven different brands instead of 10, like, I think we're going to be okay. I don't know. that it was, I was convicted yesterday mm. about that. Just mm. going, going through the storm, kind of complaining about, well, they don't have this the this specific brand of drink I like. Okay, but they have 500 other choices. Yeah. <laughs> What's the issue?
2: This one's not too bad, too.
0: Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank of you. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so anyway, that's just my thought for this week. Any, any thoughts from you all on that? No, it, no, that's great. Uh, especially another one is you know local local stuff.
2: You get so used to going to the the main stores, getting the things you like, you forget about the the small mom and pop stores that a lot of stuff I, they probably just supply themselves. Yeah. Or like farmer market, farmers markets. Granted, those it's getting cold here, so those are starting to go down. But I'm I think they're still up and going. So that's a good one too.
0: Yeah. So I just encourage everybody, you know, do do what you can to, to stand up politically for things that you believe in and stand up for, you know, your rights and your freedoms that, that we enjoy in this country. But also, when you go to Walmart or Kroger or wherever you shop and you notice your specific brand of something isn't there and you kind of get a little angry or frustrated, just realize, look, yeah, it can be annoying. But, you know, not that I don't want to be stereotypical, but think about the places where you can't even get one type of water or one type of spaghetti sauce or hot do- you know what I mean like yeah. just think about that well even when bibl- you start complaining. biblically speaking be content yeah be content with what we have and we have a lot
2: and, yeah. and again you know, yeah. like you said stereotypically but it's true look oh, at yeah. all the countries that don't have 99.99% of what we have just
0: in your house right i mean you i don't know you go you go into the just Something as goofy as a, as a toothpaste. You go into the toothpaste aisle, there are hundreds of choices of toothpaste, and let's be honest—if we really want to get down to it, they're all the same. They're all the same ingredients. Maybe just they taste different or have a different color. I don't know. Like everything Something
2: doesn't have fluoride,
0: right? I mean, they're going to have some differences, of course, but like they're just all saying. the same. <laughs> Calm down. Like, I, <laughs> you, know, you know, calm down. It, it's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just quick complaint I don't know. And I'm talking to myself, uh, along with everybody else, because I was complaining yesterday about what wasn't in the store. So, anyway, that's Brad's rant for this episode. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Hashtag bare shelves Biden. All right. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> Chapter Six, Romans Chapter Six. Let's dive in and and uh, kind of. This is a pretty substantial chapter with, with a lot of content in it. So we're gonna we're gonna go through it. So here All we right. go.
2: Yeah, starting out Chapter Six. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, Meginitas. How can we who died to sin still live in it?
0: Limitations, For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. And it's ends eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't you have a tattoo for verse 16? I, I do. <coughs> um, I do. So John MacArthur wrote a book called Slave, and he, it's all about the word doulos that you see, the Greek word doulos that you see in scripture. And Paul uses it when he wants to say slave, because there are other words for bondservant, there are other words for servant. Doulos means slave. It's very strong, very yeah. like it it... it, it Especially in our culture, in our day and age, it elicits a pretty strong emotional reaction. That word "slave" a bad connotation. Bad connotation. Yeah, but in this case, you know, it, it's you know, it's supposed it, it's to be supposed a good to be thing. a good thing in and, the right way. Yeah, and so I have the word "doulos" tattooed on my wrist just to try to remind myself, which you know, I don't always remember, <laughs> but try to remind myself who who I'm a slave to. Yeah, and a servant to. So, we, so yes, we'll I talk do. about that. Yeah, let's get in. So again. This chapter really answers that question, well, if you're forgiven and and Jesus loves and God loves and God forgives, why can't you just do whatever you want? He'll forgive me later. It's such a dangerous place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of young believers and a lot of uh, new Christians fall into that trap pretty easily of, oh, I'm forgiven. I can just go kind of do whatever I want, and he's going to forgive me, and it's going to be fine.
2: Yeah, it's that dangerous side of the security of faith well, I'm secure, so I'm good. So right. no matter
0: what happens, I'm set. Right. And that's where he says, by no means. Yeah. So that's why he starts off, I mean, right off the bat in verse one, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. By no means. And, and it's coming right off the heels of Romans 5, where he says, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So he's continuing that theme of being dead to sin, not under the law, but under grace. Yeah, just because again there were no chapter divisions in the lit. original. Letter.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I love it too. By no means, he, Paul uses this fourteen times within his epistles. Um, I believe, yeah, so ten times in Romans it was used, and it, it, the the Greek is megineo or meginatos. Uh, it's an expression, a very strong expression in the Greek. It's an idiom for reputing a statement. And it contains a sense of outrage that anyone would ever think the statement were true. And that statement being that just because it was a free gift doesn't mean you can go on sinning. So he uses that as a, that idiom of no, 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 that That is not the case. We cannot do that as Christians.
0: Well, Paul even, uh, the strong language he uses here, like he almost is offended by that question. Yeah. He's almost like, how, why would you even ask that? Yeah. That that's highly offensive and kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah. Why would you ask me this question? Yeah. Of course we don't go on sinning. We are dead to sin, and he'll flesh that out here in a few verses. But he thought it was so ridiculous that you would accept Christ. You would understand what Christ did for you, understand that this the salvation that comes through Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that you would accept that and still continue to sin and still continue to want to do those things that are a in opposition to him and his will and his teachings. Yeah. He finds that utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Now he understands that we still struggle with sin. We still have that sin nature that wants to pull us in that direction. But the idea that we want to continue to sin. You know, Paul talked about Romans 5, for the things I want to do I don't do, the things I don't want to do I do. Yeah. So like there's that inner struggle. He wants to please God. He wants to live for him, but his sin nature still at times will pull him in that other direction. He will give in because Unfortunately, we won't see perfection the side of heaven.
2: Yeah. Well, there's an excerpt from John MacArthur here. So, verse 2, when it's, we died to sin. And John MacArthur says, it's not a reference to the believer's ongoing daily struggle with sin, but to a one-time event completed in the past. Uh, because we are in Christ, chapter 6, verse 11, chapter 8, verse 1, and he died in our place, chapter 5, verse 6 through 8, we are counted dead with him. And that's the fundamental principle of chapter six that he goes on to, con- or he continues to allude to. So yeah, it's that idea of as you as we become Christians that it, a lot, a lot of people read this and they're like, oh well, this means we can't sin at all. I was like, well, okay, that's going too far to the other well, side. Well, and
0: that's the goal, of course. Yeah, that's but it's what also we have an to set for. unrealistic goal. Yeah, you know, as humans,
2: right? It's that mindset of okay. Once we have died to ourselves, we have died with Christ when he died, and we have been brought back because he is back. We no longer should want to sin. And as we live our lives, as, as we will sin because we're human, all of us will, you have to repent for that. You know, Lord, you died for me. <laughs> There's there no reason why I should be doing this anymore. Please forgive me. But you keep going. And we have to but you should not want to keep sinning that want should not be there anymore granted again like Paul was saying I do what I do not want to do and he says that I don't want to do it but I still do it
0: versus non-believers they' they're sinning just because they want they want to do the stuff right. right because they don't have they, they don't know any better they don't have you know a standard that they want to live up to well, at they, that point they don't know what they don't know right yeah so so another thing you hear a lot from non-believers is this idea of, I don't want to become a Christian because there's all these rules I got to follow. There's all these, I can't do what I want to do. I can't go out and sleep around. I can't go out and do this, that, and the other. What a lot of times what they don't understand is, is there's ultimate freedom in Christ. And we will see that when we talk about being a slave here in a little bit, but it's not just about rules. It's not just about regulations, it's about grace. And it's about understanding that before Christ, we are slave to our own nature, our own sinful nature. And, and, we're in bondage by that. There's nothing we can do to get away from it. So when you accept Christ and you you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and start doing work, your desires are going to change. At least they should, right? And and it's what Paul's talking about here. Your desire to sin should go away. You're still going to struggle with it. You're still going to have moments where you slip up. But you're going to understand that the ultimate freedom is in Christ because you're no longer a slave to your own nature and your own desires. You're no longer a slave to whatever vice or whatever fun thing you want to do like you you are you're now free to live in a way that is liberating yeah and and brings joy and brings contentment and brings happiness well and
2: that's the thing, thing to talking to non-believers on this issue we we also have to realize that okay that this this is a pretty heavy heavy topic this is some pretty dense stuff in the dense aspect of heavy. Anyway <laughs> um, where does understanding the understanding of Scripture come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. If they don't have the Holy Spirit, then more than likely they're not gonna un- they're not going to understand this. and if they do it's going to be because God allowed them to. So one that that's a prayer you say, Lord, open their eyes to this but but also realize that when when we're talking to unbelievers about this thing um, but, but it's an interesting topic because you know we talk about slave. You know, we are a slave to sin versus we're a slave to God. And they're like, why the heck would you want to be a slave to a God? It's like, well, the understanding aspect of right. you have no idea what that means. Right. And which yeah, we'll talk about here in a little bit. But yeah, the, that freedom in Christ, but not in the way they think. Not in, again, human terms. Later, Paul says that. I'm describing this to you in a human term because the understanding of Scripture you
0: don't have. So... Let's look at verse 3 and 4, because they kind of go together. Yeah. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life.
2: I, I think for me, one, one of the key parts there was we were baptized, as in it was, it was a past. is a past thing. It's not you are going to be baptized, it's you have been baptized. And it's that, you know, not talking about that that immersion of in water, it's that being baptized in Christ, like truly in Christ by his blood, by the spirit we were yeah. baptized,
0: and that by his death. So, you know, people who suppose that more sin is an avenue to more grace, which is what you see in verse 1, now I'm reading from a commentary here, just a little blurb that I, I thought was was great. The, these people need a rebuke. Paul issues that rebuke in the form of a question that is really an assertion. Were baptized could refer to water baptism following reception of the gospel and profession of faith, or it could refer to the Holy Spirit's act of placing believers into Christ. The point is that saving faith in Christ brings within an inner transformation that is a death sentence on former default attitudes. Hmm. So that's what I at least, and, and I agree with this, yeah. and it says it way more eloquently than I can. <laughs> I think that's what Paul's talking about here. It's, you are putting to death these old attitudes, and these old desires, and these old ideas, the old way you look at the world, the old way you look at sin. You now know what sin is, because unbelievers probably don't have a concept of sin. They have a concept of morality, that general kind of, yeah, I probably shouldn't kill anybody today, (laughs) but actual sin, actual God's standard versus what we do, they now have that concept. And they now have that idea that, hey, God so holds me to this standard. I fall short of that standard. How do I fix that? Yeah, And that's what ba- the baptism in the Holy Spirit should bring about, is that transformation of now I know this, and now my attitude's different. My desires are different. What I want changes.
2: Yeah. Well, it's that that thought of that the mentality of being born again and that baptism through the Spirit, that, that, that newness of self, that is that being born again that is that newness of spirit whereas you know before Christ we don't have that it's that that body it's soul and then spirit whereas unbelievers don't have the spirit and then the whole concept behind baptism is like like Paul's saying you know we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death so that whole concept of being immersed in water we're we're going underwater we're being buried our old selves are being buried and done. And when we come out of the water, we are being resurrected with Christ into that newness of life. And it goes into that. We
0: we have to be better. We have to want yeah. to be better. And I think it's important to uh, differentiate, too. This doesn't mean an immediate change. Like, right. we are immediately going to stop doing what we've been doing for 20 years or 10 years or whatever, however long. Yeah, It's going to be a gradual process. Be, Paul talks about that all through his letters, all through Romans, that it's a growth. That sanctification is a process. It's not an immediate change. So for seven, eight years before I became a Christian, I pushed Carter down the steps every five minutes. That's not going to just immediately change. That desire to push him down the steps isn't going to meet the look I'm getting from him. Is now it's not every five minutes. It's like every ten minutes. Right. So it's, getting so it's, it's, it's getting better. It's getting better. It's a process. <laughs> I, I, the desire to shove him down a flight of stairs is dwindling as I become closer to Christ. It doesn't go away fully, but it's dwindling. And and when I do it, I feel a lot worse about it than I used to. And now there's no stairs to push me down, so I'm happy. (laughs) So...
2: (laughs) By the way, this actually does not happen for those listening that think it might. Brad does not push Carter down That
1: is a joke from like 20 episodes ago at this point.
0: Yeah, I think I used it just as a stupid example of sin. and, And it just stuck, and I just have... I like to keep going when I can, so. <laughs> but, but, but no, the desire isn't, or not the desire, but the the actual behavior change isn't automatic, right? The desire might be. You might realize in that moment, oh crap, I can't do this anymore. I need to stop, you know, living this way and and adjusting my behavior. But that behavior adjustment isn't going to be an immediate thing. Well, it, and it's that okay? The desire will still be there, but now you've accepted Christ.
2: You have the Holy Spirit. So now. Your flesh's desire is at literally at war with the spirit's desire.
0: Your desire
2: wants to push Carter down the stairs, but the spirit is like, No, no, Brad, don't do that. That's a bad thing.
0: Yeah. And they're, and they're inside you, like they're both in you. Like it's it's there. And, and you have to, you have to work towards feeding that, feeding the Holy Spirit and, and letting Him continue that work in you. And He grows larger than your earthly and fleshly desires.
2: Oh, and, and that goes into prayer, on your knees prayer, working out with fear and trembling. You have to be actively, there's a quote, I forgot who it was, so I'm totally going to botch it, but it's that you have two dogs inside of you. You have a white dog and a black dog. And so the black dog is sin. The white dog is the Holy Spirit. It's totally bad analogy, but they're at war, right? They're fighting. Who's going to win is the one you feed the most. Who are you feeding? Are you feeding your fleshly desires or are you feeding the spirit? And that's in scripture. That's prayer. That's meeting with fellow believers, talking about spiritual things. Or are you hanging out with more of your ungodly friends, staying in that atmosphere, feeding your fleshly desires? Your flesh is going to win. Oh, for sure. So it, And you're setting your own self up for failure. So you have to look at that from your own point, your your own life, and say, "Okay, what am I feeding most? Am I feeding my
0: flesh or am I feeding the holy Spirit?" And true conversion, <laughs> true a true salvation experience will bring about a desire to feed the Holy Spirit more and, and and as you progress in your relationship with Christ, that will only get stronger, and that desire will only get stronger and in your moments of of lapse, your your moments where your flesh wins. I don't want to necessarily, say, I don't want to guarantee they become fewer and far between. They should become fewer and far between those moments where you, you let your flesh win out. But your conviction will be stronger. Mm-hmm. Your remorse will be stronger when it happens.
2: Well, and like you said, if if you're feeding that flesh, the, or not, if you're feeding the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is becoming greater and more pronounced within you. Right. And therefore, more times than not, you're, the Spirit is going to overpower your flesh. But. Vice versa, if you're putting too much in your flesh, your flesh is going to overcome the spirit. And granted, that gets into a, a whole different it's, discussion there, yeah. but it's
0: that concept of what are you feeding? It's always interesting to me, too, for my life personally, where like I'll go, you know, with with what I struggle with, I'll go a few weeks and it's not an issue. Like we're good, everything's fine. Obviously, not perfect, you know, but like the core desires that I have that are against, that, that go against scripture, contrary to scripture. I'll go a few weeks and not even think about it, and everything, and all of a sudden, just something triggers it and pops up, and oh wait, he sees a staircase and pushes me down, right? Like how did where where did that come from? <laughs> I walked past twenty staircases with Carter, not had an issue, and all of a sudden that twenty first one, it's go time. But <laughs> so it, it it does get frustrating as as a Christian too, where I've, I, just when you get comfortable and you feel like maybe you have a handle on that one sin or that one little thing that you struggle with, you're reminded, oh wait. I, I'm not going to have a handle on this apart from God. Because yeah. when you get comfortable is when you stop praying about it or you stop, you know, seeking God to, to help change that desire and help get rid of that desire. Yeah. And then you then you fall. Yeah. So yeah. It, it becomes frustrating, but it also, it's a reminder of, hey, kind of can't do this on your own, you know. You need to continue to stay vigilant. Vigilant, yeah. And stay, stay on course. Because the, the second <laughs> you take your eyes off of it. You fall off to the side one way or the other. Well,
2: that's the whole point of, throughout Scripture, especially Paul, when they're saying, stay sober-minded. It's that mentality of you always have to be alert 24-7. Even when you get home and you just want to relax and watch TV, the devil never takes a break, ever. And he's prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour, and that never ends. So we have to stay vigilant 24-7, and it's it's exhausting. Yeah. And that's why we have to have strong believers surrounding us to help us help each other out because it, it is, it's exhausting. And we have, but we have to, if we, if not, we get sucked back into whatever our flesh wants and it, it will happen. So yeah, yeah you have to stay vigilant. You have to stay sober minded and keep watching. So verse five, like we'll, we'll go five and six. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Again, moving into that, talking about the slavery aspect of it, but we've been united with him. And the reason being is our old self has been put to death with his death. That was the the whole point. That is why... Christ came here on earth to die for us so that our sins would die with him our old selves our old flesh would die with him and we are becoming anew we're not new yet not completely but we're right.
0: becoming new well and and it's you think about baptism the actual physical act of baptism and, and a, a lot of um a lot of churches when 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 they baptize they'll say you know united with Christ by death as they dunk him And then as they bring him up, raised to life with his resurrection. It's very important to understand that, yeah, we die to our sin. We die to our former selves. But it doesn't end there. Because the story of Christ on the cross didn't end on the cross. It's we are raised again. Yeah. And we are brought into this new life. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, we are raised into newness of life. Right. Again, it's a process. Again, it's not going to be perfected until this life ends. (laughs) Until this life ends and our next life begins. But... We don't just stop at this dead to self. We don't just stop at this dead to sin. We are now alive in Christ, just as mm-hmm. Christ is alive. Yeah. yeah very important it, to understand that.
2: Very important. And it, and it is, it's moving to that. We are no longer a slave to sin. And especially now, that's just such a, a common, especially with Christians, it, it's said all the time, and, and it's like the, the, that power of that has been lost. But that is such an immense thing. Slavery, like true slavery, being forced into something and to to be under sin, to where you suffer the sting of physical death, and then you suffer the sting of eternal death, gnashing and wailing, gnashing teeth and wailing, and just burning alive for all eternity. That's that is the, the epitome of slavery. Whereas now we are no longer a slave to sin because we have died with Christ. And now we are alive because he is alive. As we were talking about death in Adam, life
0: in Christ um last week is such such an immense thing. So we see in verse six, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would be no- so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So Christ's death broke that power that sin has over us. Non-believers, those who are not in Christ, those who do not follow his 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 path of salvation, the only path to salvation, they are honestly instruments of the devil, or can be instruments of the devil, because they don't have any power to stand against those attacks, stand against those those forces. Yeah. As soon as you accept Christ and you're crucified with him, you're baptized into his death, brought into his you know, brought back to life through his resurrection, sin no longer has that power on you. You are able to resist those temptations. You're able to resist the snares of the devil, and he can no longer use you as a detriment to those around you. Yeah. Right. I mean, and to
2: resist because of Christ. Because of yeah. Christ, yeah.
0: And then verse 7 just kind of, kind of picks up from that. So, for
2: one who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And because death no longer has dominion over him, it no longer has dominion over us. Right. Which is... It's oh, yeah. awesome.
0: It's awesome. It's why we're able to grieve with hope. It's yes, why we're able hope. to understand that when a believer leaves this earth and dies, that's not the end of their story either. And that as believers, we have that hope and that faith that we're going to see that person again. Doesn't make it super easy on us here by any means, but you know they're waiting for us on the other side Yeah. as believers.
2: As Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So verse 10, for the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And he keeps referencing this over and over again, but it's so important. We have died to sin and we are alive in Christ and we are alive to God. And since we are dead to sin, we have to be constantly working on that. No, no sinning. We can't. We can't sin. We will. But we have to have that mentality of, I can't, I can't do this because I am dead to sin and I am alive in Christ to God. So I have to quit. So yeah,
1: quit. And that's like normalized nowadays. Like people are just like, that, you're normal. You sin, you're good. You don't have to worry it's about human. it. You're yeah. Human. Like they even like spiritual figures and stuff, they're like, no, you're good. You don't have to worry about it. And like, we all struggle with it and they don't take the steps to help you like solve that or that, that person that is sinning might not even know like... They might be new, they don't know how bad it is that they're sitting, and then they're like, oh, I'm good, I don't have to worry about it. And then they keep doing it for a while, and it's just ingrained, and then they can't
0: change as easy, so. Well, that's what you see in a lot of churches today, <clears throat> this focus on grace only. Not <clears throat> focused on... There's no truth. Yeah, not focused yeah. on the truth of like, hey, not only is there grace, there's a life change that comes along with this with this life. Yeah. we We aren't going to stay the same. We shouldn't stay the same. We're not supposed to stay the same. And if we stay the same, there's a problem. Wasn't an emotional conversion that we talked about last week was mm-hmm. or no, we talked about it with Simon, I think that emotional conversion of I'm just caught up in the moment, but there was no real change there,
2: yeah,
0: or are we going to a church that just feeds us what we want to hear and is all grace, all grace, all grace, all grace, and no, hey, we also need to change our lives. We also need to not do what we've been doing. Before Christ,
2: yeah, there has to be that change. There
0: has to be that change, or else we talked about in the Marks of a True Christian episode. There is a change. There is a lifestyle, a a full shift of attitude and desires once you become a believer. Once you once you are washed in the blood of the Lamb, you have a desire change, and that should be evident. And if it's not, there's a problem. Yeah, you know, I think we even mentioned it during the verses we, out of context episode, we mentioned where, it a couple times, yeah, yeah. where we talk about. Well, yeah, you can judge people based on their fruits. Like, that is a thing. And if they're claiming Christ over here, but also <laughs> over here doing this without repentance and without any kind of remorse, those two don't match up, there's an issue.
2: Yeah, well, and it goes into that side of how they, how those churches look at Jesus. And they just see Jesus as this, this peace-loving, grace, 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 God. And yes, that's true. But remember, he's coming back with a sword. The, the Old Testament God, he is still God. He is the same as he always was. And he is wrathful. He is jealous. He is vengeful. And these things still have to take place. And going back to that that excuse of, well, I'm, I'm human. It's justification for your actions. Yes, you're human. And yes, of course, you are going to fall every single time. But because of our death to sin, we can't do it anymore. You can't. And I I, I say that as a human being who sins all the time, but we have to have that ingrained in our our mind. Always, again, feeding the spirit to overcome the flesh. And prayer, constant prayer, praying for ourselves, but praying for our fellow brothers and sisters that God would would help that. So important.
0: Prayer, accountability, the relationships you have with other believers to be able to to say hey I, look I'm struggling with this let's you know let's talk about it
2: yeah well in even a good enough relationships where I can go to Brad and say look Brad I see this going on in your life I I love you and I I want to help the best way I can and to have that relationship where Brad's either
0: a going to be like forget you hopefully not <laughs> But that it would, might be the first reaction, honestly, though, because yeah. your sinful nature is like, I don't need you to tell Why me. Why are what you pointing to, yeah, out my sin? Yeah. Exactly, it might be your first reaction, but ultimately, uh, sorry, I kind of interrupted you there. No, you're yeah, you're fine. Ultimately, my reaction should be okay. You're the worst, but also thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, you're right. And that and was going to say that too is like being able to call out your fellow believer that you're close to. Obviously, not just throwing haymakers out to random. Random people that you see, but all but like 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 the three of us being able to say, "Hey, we see this issue. Let's let's see what we can do to help. Yeah, let's see what we can do to overcome it." Brad, stop caution, pushing Carter down the stairs.
2: Yeah, that's a bad Dang it. thing.
0: And Carter, I punch I... you in the face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> None of those are true. He doesn't push me downstairs stairs, and I don't punch him yeah. in the face. <laughs> no. If
0: I get punched, it's in the arm, and I usually deserve it. So. Never, the face. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Never the face. Unless he will deserve
2: it, then I'll do it. Yeah, guys. So verse twelve. do not present your members to sin. That's giving no opportunity to the devil. Do not – and members are, you, you know, looking at not just your, your hands, your feet. It, it's, it's your whole body. Yeah. Your whole body. It's your mortal members. body. Yeah.
0: It, it's your feet, your hands, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your nose. Your mind. Your mind, all of it.
2: Yeah, everything. Do not give opportunity for the devil. Do not give it over to sin. and that's And that goes back to being vigilant staying sober-minded, always watching, saying, okay, I need to be on the, the de- de- defense all the time. Yeah. And again, it's exhausting.
0: It is. I, I, I'm always reminded in these scenarios, we talked about, you know, I see these this work within the members of my body. We talk about Paul kind of whining a little bit, I do not do what I want to do, I don't do what I want to however that goes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I always go back to this sermon I heard at a youth convention when I was like in high school, so like 15, 16, 17 years ago, and for some reason this has stuck with me that this sermon has stuck with me all these years. I mean, I'm sure y'all can relate. A lot of times we leave church and the next day we're like, what was the sermon about again? And we just kind of, you know, don't take away a lot. Maybe, maybe one little part of each sermon that we hear. Cause yeah. as Americans, our attention span is very low. Three It'll seconds. Pass. Very low. <laughs> but this one has stuck with me for years and it is, it's about the members of the body. And and he kind of laid it out as like your five senses and how, you have a visual stimuli that visual stimuli works its way into your mind. Your mind runs with it and goes one way and it leads to sin. Yeah. And how your touch, your, your, your hearing, your, your sight, your smell, all of it can trigger this mental reaction that either leads to sin or leads to overcoming that sin. Yeah. he of course used, you know, he was, we were at a youth convention. So what do you think he used to use guys and, and, and girls, right? And you see a, a an attractive female, and your mind just immediately starts to wander as to what could be or what you'd want to do and, and stuff like that. And it leads to that sin, it leads to the lust, it leads to adultery, it leads to all these things. And so I, I've always been aware of since that sermon of that's the agent of sin in my life, are my mortal members of my body. That's the agent of sin. That is how my desires turn into sin. Yeah. Is through my through my senses, <clears throat> through through what I can taste, touch, smell, hear, and see.
2: Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's that, like he's saying, presenting your members to God. Well, how do we do that? And going back through scripture, you know, loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your might. Uh, Colossians 3, where it says, "Um, put your mind on heavenly things. So, putting, putting your mind on heavenly things. And that is so important in this aspect because, okay, how do you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Well, with your mind, it starts with feeding your mind with scripture, with with heavenly things. Uh when you are in a depression state, when when you are just consumed with all the the evil that's going on in this world or the sickness or whatever is going on in your life, you have you have to physically be like, okay, quit. Heavenly things, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, start making lists okay? (laughs) Start literally writing these things out to place your mind on these heavenly things. Once you've filled your mind with them, how do you love the Lord with all your, your heart? Well, you have to start filling it. And again, it starts with Scripture. It starts with filling your mind with these heavenly things, putting your mind on heavenly things. And so, presenting your members to God, saying, all right, I am filling my mind with this. I am doing my best to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and might. And once you've presented it, he he will use it. And once he's using it, I, I believe that just in my own experience, it, it, it gets a little easier. Not that it is easy, but it gets
0: a little easier. Well, it's similar to working out, right? It, it's when you're, which everyone knows I do a lot of, <laughs> a gym rat really can't keep me away from it. But you start out. And and benching the bar is extremely difficult, and you can barely do it. But then as you go and as you build strength, it becomes easier and easier. And the more weight you can handle, the more things you can overcome. And I think that's a similar – Yeah. A good analogy to that. It is. that. The more you use it, the more you focus on it, the more you exercise your, your mind to keep your mind on things above, the easier it becomes, and, and the more weight you can handle, and the more strain you can take.
2: Yeah. On that
0: – I can't bench the bar. So what
1: you're saying is you're going to start working out now? No.
0: (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. If I ever end up going the marriage route, maybe that'll motivate me to like lose the beer belly. I don't know. So tomorrow? (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Enough about me, guys. Slave to righteousness. Yeah. Paul reiterates the question. He asks the same question again that he asked in verse 1. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Stop asking stupid questions, people. At, at, at least no, 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 at no. Least that's what I read into it. Quit being dumb. That is not what I'm saying. Verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Jesus talks about that in Matthew. You cannot serve both God and, I think it says mammon, Right. Mm-hmm. Both God and money—you cannot yep. serve two masters. You you are going to be a slave to one or the other, either sin or, or or God or righteousness. Right. There there is no middle ground. There is no third option. You cannot serve two masters. You will serve one or the other. Yeah. You can't be a f- <clears throat> fence rider. Yeah. So it, it it again, Paul is stressing here the importance of who are you who are you feeding, who are you strengthening? Are you strengthening your flesh? Or are you strengthening your 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 spirit? And strengthening the Holy Spirit inside of you, and, and so Which
2: I, I guess we should make a side note of that. The Holy Spirit doesn't need any
0: strengthening. Thank you, because yeah, I was thinking no. that as after I said, I'm like, yeah, well, but I was saying great.
2: that too earlier too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, needs no strengthening, but you are giving more avenue for the Holy Spirit to work within you. Right. Yeah. Giving it more more room to run. Exactly. Yeah. Clearing out the spaces to clearing out space. There you
0: go. Clearing let, out the junk. Clearing out spaces. To <laughs> let him do his work. Amen. Verse 17. Verse 17. <laughs> but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having being set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. And so Paul asked that question in verse 16. Do you not know, like, are you not aware that you are either going to serve sin or serve serve God, one or the other? And, it's, and I think it's implied here that you cannot serve God without his intervention, without his work on the cross. So, because of that, but God, but thanks be to God mm-hmm. that you who were once slaves of sin, you are now obedient to the teaching that you're committed to, and you're set free from sin, and you are now slaves of righteousness. Because of God, because of the work on the cross, you are able to be a slave of righteousness and a yeah. slave to him. And he, he again talks about in verse nineteen, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Yeah. So he understands that this is not the perfect analogy; it's not the perfect uh, explanation of this very lofty, very haughty message that he's preaching. But he's doing it in a way that we can understand. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and it's that mentality of again, where does understanding of Scripture come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. And for those who don't have the Holy Spirit. This doesn't really make much sense. I mean, you, you read it and you, you can understand it from a, a face value. But the tr- that true understanding comes from the Holy Spirit. And, and that's why he says, I'm speaking to you in human terms because your natural limitations, again, natural. Uh, going back to Romans 1, that natural revelation. It's limited, but it's still there. So that's why he, he's doing this. He's using this analogy because it's limited. So, and then moving on. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Again, what is what is righteousness? Uh, looking back at Abraham, what was counted to him as righteousness? His belief in God, but his believing in God. Again, going through this, if if you believe that you died, your, your old self, your sin was put to death when Christ died and then when he came back to life you were brought to life if you believe that that is righteousness you you are righteous that's biblical and since we've been brought back to life with Christ we are now made righteous we are righteous in our dead to sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus so now that is leading to
0: our sanctification through the blood of Christ and he he uses active language here present your members as slaves of righteousness so it becomes there there's an effort on our part that we it's have an ongoing thing ongoing effort we have a role to play on some level of our in our sanctification in this process we don't have a role in our own salvation we don't that is that is christ and, and the holy spirit solely that is through faith alone by grace alone that is not anything we can do to earn that But after that salvation, after we have accepted Christ, there is a role that we play in our sanctification. We have to feed and clear room for the Holy Spirit to work. We have to make that effort to say, hey, I want to be a slave to righteousness and a slave to God and a slave to Christ, not a slave to sin like I was. He changes our desires. He changes our behaviors and our attitudes. But we have to put in that effort to say, hey, I'm going to avoid these things over here because I know these things over here are going to lead me to sin, lead me away from God. And I'm going to pursue these things over here on the other side, because those are going to lead me to sanctification and righteousness. And those are going to allow me to become more like him and, and, and become a more solid believer in Christ, a more solid, uh, uh, functional and, and effective bo- member of the body of Christ. Yeah, exactly. Now, I, don't hear me say that it's all on us, because it's not. It's we not. can't do it on our own. Yes, it requires effort on our part. We have a role to play but it's the Holy Spirit in us that is allowing us to have the strength to do those things, right? Yeah. We take yeah. that first step and he does the rest for us. Yeah. Because we can't do it on our own. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. I, I, I kind of like that little, you know, you were free in regards to righteousness. Like you you didn't have to worry about being righteous. You didn't have to worry about pleasing God or worry about doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. You could literally just go do whatever you want, but you were a slave to that passion and that desire. Um, I think it's a good little side trail that I just thought of and if it's not we'll stop but when when you weren't a believer, think back to a time before you were a Christian and the way you lived and the way you tried to fill that void in your life if you were not a believer and you filled, tried to fill that with sex you tried to fill it with drugs you tried to fill it with alcohol you tried the, 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 the deadly three that youth group always talks about sex, drugs, and alcohol but other things that are a little more innocuous, video games, television, relationships, friendships. Mm-hmm. You tried to find in, in work, in your job, in money. You tried to find all these things to fill something that you feel is missing, something that's like, I'm not right, I'm not happy, I'm not fully satisfied, so let's just go make more money. Or let's let's watch this other show on television for, a, like, binge watch a show for two days and spend two days doing that. Or, yeah. Or it's anything gonna,
2: that takes your time away from God.
0: Yeah. Or I'm going to find this my identity in my relationship with my spouse or my my boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah. Those things never worked. Before you were a believer and before you had the Holy Spirit, you were always searching for this answer to what's going to keep me happy and what's going to make me happy. And nothing will. Yeah. And so that's what we talk about when we talk about being a slave to sin. It's this constant desire, this constant push to be happy and to be satisfied with what you where you are in your life and it just never happening. It doesn't happen. You aren't ever satisfied. You're not ever you're never gonna be content because what's missing is is God. What's missing is is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's what's missing. And it's the only thing that's gonna be able to allow you to be content. Yeah. So before Christ, being a slave to sin, yes, you can quote unquote do whatever you want. You're not a slave to righteousness. You don't have to worry about what god thinks of you because you're not trying to live up to his standard you may not even believe there is a god that has a standard to live up to but you are a slave to this desire of trying to be content and trying to be happy and none of it's going to work none of it's going to work yeah i truly believe if you were able to get beyond the surface of a non-believer go go beneath the surface and get into their soul and get into their heart they would say i'm not really happy i'm not really satisfied there is something missing That's why I work so hard. That's why I work 60 hours a week to try to have more money in the bank. That's why I go from girl to girl and sleep around. That's why I'm trying this drug and that drug and everything else, trying to find some sort of satisfaction. It's never going to come.
2: Well, and uh, my my understanding of scripture, it could be wrong, but looking at as believers, what is one of the fruit of the Spirit? Joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. If you don't have the Spirit, do you have true joy? Now, happiness, you have happiness, but happiness is fleeting. Happiness, yeah. get a brand new car, dude, yeah, you're happy. And then it goes away. You get a brand new razor side by side, you're happy. And then it goes away. You get paid on Friday, and then it's back to work on Monday. So, this happiness is ever fleeting. and, And believers have that too. Of course. But if you don't have the spirit, do you have true joy? And I don't think you do. So, it's that, again, that void that is always... Always missing if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have true joy, so you're always missing that, and uh, and it makes sense. They're working those sixty-hour weeks. They're always going for that extra happiness because, like like you said, that this is as close to heaven as they're going to get. So they they might as well live their best life. You know, YOLO as they they say it. <laughs> yeah. Live your best life now because it is. It's your best life.
0: Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And thank the Lord, we don't we don't have that because this is as close to heaven as or as close to hell as we're gonna get. Yeah. And we are living for Christ. We have that the Holy Spirit, so we have that joy and that hope, that assurance of heaven.
0: And I just thought it was important to kind of show, hey, being a slave to sin doesn't necessarily look like this depression, doesn't necessarily look like this I'm angry all the time, I'm everything's dark. It could look like someone who is having a blast and having just this amazing time on this earth, right? It could look like a guy that has everything he could ever want material, materialistically, right? It doesn't look like just this evil, dark, I'm sitting in a corner brooding kind of person. Yeah. It looks like your neighbor who every week is partying and is just having a blast. Yeah. Because it is fun. Sin is fun. Can be. But as a Christian, we have to understand that that is slavery. That yeah. is... Being slave to this desire of finding that joy that we don't have or or replacing the joy that we should have with Christ with other things. Or it's
1: the people like that you see on movies, like actors, people, Hollywood, all them. And like you saw it with Jim Carrey. He like, like they have all the money, but like he is, I think he's depressed now, like because it just all goes away and you have no privacy when you're that
0: famous. You just, you try to keep getting more money and it, it doesn't fulfill you. Well, so, Robin Williams is a good example, I think, yep. of, of someone who looked to be on top of the world, and every, everyone adored him. I yeah. thought he was hilarious, like you know. But he <laughs> was dealing with this depression, and and ultimately committed suicide because he just couldn't he couldn't find that one thing to bring him that joy that he was missing. And there's yeah. no one checking in on <clears throat> right because they look fine. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, on the surface, like you said, they look they look great.
2: Well, it, one one of the the bigger ones I think of when I think of slave descent, I think of David Bowie. So the in back in his heyday, he was known as the Great White Duke. I, huge cocaine addiction, huge. I mean, if you have a nickname like that, whoa! <laughs> but <laughs> um, just he is a slave to it, and a lot, a lot of those guys, yeah, from definitely that era, but just uh, Hollywood or stuff like that, and even not Hollywood, but they're they're literally a slave to it. They have
0: no other outlet avenue. Unless God intervenes. But. And you you look at people like that, and you think, man, they have everything. How in the world could they dive into drugs? Or how in the world yep. could they die of, die of a drug overdose when they are on top of the world, so to speak? Yeah. And if you look at it from a biblical perspective, and you look at it from a Roman 6 perspective, that's why. Because they were slave to sin. Yep. They were not able to find any kind of contentment or joy or peace, because the only thing that provides that is Christ, and being a slave to righteousness. And... You know, I think it puts a lot of things in perspective when you see these people who, again, they seem to have it all, but uh, there are countless stories of people who seem to have it all and then just either commit suicide, drug overdose, just go into this deep depression and just go off the deep end, so to speak. It's it's because they're not slaves to righteousness.
2: Yeah. Well, this excerpt right here at John MacArthur, we're talking about more lawlessness. Like a vicious animal, sin's appetite only grows when it is fed. And yeah, if you keep feeding it, it will continue to grow and become this monster that you have no idea, you don't
0: recognize. And oh. the, the only way it will ever be defeated is it, it's the death of Christ. I mean, perfect illustration of that is are drugs and pornography both. It's, it can start with this small amount of drug, but then you become immune to it and you got to get, mm-hmm. get more. And you got to get more and you got to get more until ultimately your body can't handle it anymore. And you, you kill yourself. And you kill yourself. Same with pornography. It starts with looking at a picture. Well, then you have to watch a video. Well, then that doesn't work anymore, so you have to like watch a more explicit video or more graphic or more violent. And if left unchecked, I'm not saying this happens all the time by any means, but if left unchecked, it can turn into, I have to now physically do what I'm watching in order to be quote-unquote satisfied by it.
1: Yeah.
0: And that can lead down a really dark path, of course, as well. I think of an interview I, I watched with uh, Ted Bundy and, mm. no, was it Bundy? Or was it, it was Berkowitz, David Berkowitz. Okay. And, and uh, uh, the guy from Focus on the Family, Dobson. 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 They did an interview together the day before Berkowitz was to be executed. And, and if this wasn't Berkowitz, I apologize. I think it's who it was. I could Google it, but whatever, I'm lazy. Uh, <laughs> but he talks about how this desire to kill that he, that he ultimately you know, acted out on and violently started from pornography, started from a playboy. Again, I'm not saying that everyone who looks at a Playboy is going to grow into a, a, a David Berkowitz. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But there is that idea of you become desensitized to these things and you have to get more extreme to get your satisfaction from it and to get your, you know, get your kicks off of it. And I think, I think there's some validity to that of what Berkowitz was saying in the interview of like, yeah, it started with just looking at this Playboy and then I needed to – it grew into this violence. I needed violent pornography and then I needed to do it. And actually physically acted out because the videos weren't doing it for me anymore. I had to actually go fi- experience it on my own. And that's what led to him killing the women that he killed, ultimately. Of course, there are other factors. Because again, yeah. not everyone who looks at porn is going to end up a mass murderer. Right. right? I understand yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. But it just shows an extreme example of how, like you said, what you feed is what grows strong. Yeah. And if in sin, specifically, if you feed it, you, your desire becomes more extreme. And it becomes
2: ravenous. And It becomes ravenous. Yeah. On to more happier things. Yeah. Verse <laughs> Good 22. <side> note, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. The fruit being the fruit of the Spirit. Right. Being your, your fruitfulness in God, your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, it all leads to, comma, eternal life.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there is hope, and there is mm-hmm. this way out of this perpetual cycle of trying to find joy in things outside of God. Yes.
2: Well, and it's happiness, yeah. Outside of God, it's not joy. Right. It's just happiness. It's fleeting. Momentary
0: happiness. Yeah.
2: In God, it is true joy. Joy
0: that is... It's, not, not bound by circumstance. Yeah, exactly. Not determined by where you are in your life at that moment. Well, and looking at it as a fruit. It is joy is a fruit
2: of the spirit. And if you have that fruit of the spirit, that's, that's something that can't be taken away from you. And and we've talked about that, you know, that, that presence of joy, even in sorrow, even in these, these times where you will probably not actually feel it, but knowing that you have the spirit and that joy is a fruit of the spirit, it's there. And you might not feel it, but it's there. Because Christ is there, and you have the Holy Spirit within you. So, last verse. Last verse. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, sin pays
0: wages, and we are racking a lot up. Yeah, we owe a lot. We we are yeah. our, our, and the only way to satisfy it is death. Yeah, eternal eternal death. Not just not just physical death, but God. Yeah, but God. You know it's an amazing thing to understand that we have come so short of living up to God's standard, so short, so short. I mean, just even stealing that little piece of candy when you were a ten year old means you have fallen short of that standard, and we deserve hell. the wages of sin is death because of our sin, we should die, yeah, but well, we some, don't but we don't have to something Brad and I say to each other a lot, remember
2: yeah. you deserve death, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. We, we don't have, that. Came, uh, I may have told this story before, it came from a pastor friend of mine who would tell his kids, you deserve hell. Just remember, <laughs> you deserve hell. Remember, have a good day. Yeah, have a good day. <laughs> but we don't have to. We don't have to experience that death. And that that to me is, uh, the best way to close this chapter and to close this episode is, we deserve that death and, and we deserve hell. We don't have to get it. We don't have to get what we deserve. The beauty of grace, as Reliant K says, the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. Hmm. It is not fair for us to get to enter into heaven. No. That's not fair.
2: And definitely this world in this time period, everyone's about fairness, yeah. equality. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's not fair.
0: That's not fair. If, if life were fair, we'd all none of us would be here at this none point. None of us would be here, yeah. We would have been struck down the minute we sinned. The minute we did something against God's standard, we, we would have been struck down. Yeah. Which means we never would have been born because our parents would have been struck down before they could give... That's a whole different thing. <laughs> but... Rabbit hole. But... <laughs> the free gift of God yeah. is eternal life. And that's it. That's it. It's free. So... So if you happen to be an unbeliever and you're listening to this, I hope something that we said today triggers some sort of question in you. Maybe this idea of, man, they, I am not finding true happiness and true joy doing what I'm doing now. Reach out to someone you know that's a believer. Reach out to one of us on social media. Reach out to rootedinlogos at gmail.com. No. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Rootedinlogos at gmail.com. <laughs> Golly. Find us on our on our Instagram or Facebook, Pod. Like We're there. We would love to talk to you point you in the right direction. For those of you who are believers, be encouraged by this. Be encouraged that, hey, you are no longer a slave to that sin that that you struggle with on a daily basis. You are a slave to Christ, and because of that, you can overcome that sin. But also, I encourage you and challenge you to to continue to find ways to feed the Holy Spirit and to make room for Him to work, as opposed to feeding your sinful nature and feeding your flesh. Because when you start doing that, it will overpower the Holy Spirit. Your your flesh and your your... Your nature is so opposed to God that it that it takes a constant effort to fight it. Yes. So fight it. Stay vigilant. Stay vigilant. Stay sober-minded. Stay sober-minded. Stay rooted. Stay rooted. <laughs> Stay rooted. Yep. So we'll see you guys next week. Uh, find us on Instagram. Reach out to us. Interact with us. Give us a five-star review. Uh, thank you so much for listening and support you've given us. We uh, We're going to start hopefully talking about some ideas to start making this thing get a little bigger and get back to the momentum we had before we took our break. We're excited. Yeah. So I hope you're excited too. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening
2: to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like subscribe and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts.
1: Also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram at rooted in Logos pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, please. Visit us at patreon.com slash